Time for Gene Shepard, humorist, after-dinner speaker, and recipient of the Mark Twain Award for to salute Charles Johnson of Waterville, Michigan. For those of you who don't know where Waterville, Michigan is, it's on the southern end of the Michigan Peninsula. Hangs over there by Lake Michigan. It's a nice little town, but uh, some action there the other night. Charlie Johnson angered when a neighbor did not answer his knock on the door. If you think violence is uh, only a New York thing, uh, Charlie angered when a neighbor did not answer his knock on the door. Went out got in his car, and drove his car, which was a large Buick, through a picture window in his neighbor's house, police said in a fit of rage. Damage was estimated at around eight grand. Johnson was charged with malicious destruction of property, drunken driving, and driving without a license. But uh, that's, uh, that's uh, you know, the man has these things. It's the way man is. I'll tell you, I, I uh, that reminded me of something. I'm not going to tell you a story, but uh, it's it's. Uh, how many times have you ever had a chance to call the cops yourself? That's right. Well, one night, and this was a couple years ago. I'm living in in Manhattan, and uh, this particular place that I lived in was was filled with action. I would tell you, fantastic action, and uh, the kind of action that that. Uh, well, I've never told this story. It's typical, uh, typical of the action. So uh, one night, it's about, well, it's about 4 o'clock in the morning, and uh, I'm reading or something. very quiet, at least in the apartment. Nothing going on. And I could hear voices outside, people walking by. It's, the, it's Saturday night. The place is 
going, swinging mad, man. I mean, it was really going. And now it's about four in the morning, and it's beginning to drop off the sounds. And then I hear this voice directly below me, on the ground floor below me, actually in the building next to me on the ground floor, was a bar. Well, I see a guy walking out of the bar right below me. He's not more than, oh, 40 or 50 feet from me. And he's walking out backwards. In his left hand, he had the biggest 38 caliber magnum I have seen this side of the arsenal of Abercrombie and Fitch. And he is announcing to the bar, did any of you turn around before I get in the car? It'll be all over. And I'm looking. He walks across the sidewalk, and sitting by the curb was an old Dodge, and it was somebody else in the car. He backs out of the out of the bar, goes around the car, and then at that point I see what he's got in his right hand. He's got a paper sack in his right hand. Obviously, it's filled with the night's receipts. He gets in the car, and uh, <laughs> I'm watching. So he, I said, "Holy God, I'm seeing a I'm seeing a holdup." So he, he gets in the car, and away they go. They go, I see them go up the, up the, up the, uh, the avenues. And they, they went up one block and turned right. I saw that car go up, get, joined in the traffic. Saturday night traffic was big. All the, you know, all the Jersey drivers went down. He drove up and turned right and disappeared. A lot of buildings, he disappeared around the corner. Well, just about the time he turned right, Everybody from the bar poured out. I could see all these people pouring out, you know, they're, oh, help, help, police are yelling, saying, oh, help, help, help. And, of course, what he had done, obviously, he had taken everybody's wallet and everything else. You know, he just held up the whole place, so they would throw all your wallets down on the bar, put it all in this big paper sack, a big paper sack. And he just took off with the money and the whole debt, saying, so, you know, oh, help, help, help. I said, holy smokes, it's a, it's a robbery. And sure enough, I see coming down the street now from my right, coming the other direction, I see these cars coming. All the U lights are going, and woo, 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 you know, they're coming. And about five of them converge on the bar, and I'm watching the whole scene. And I see the, the people all out there, and they're talking. The cops are walking around. They're taking their names and all that stuff. And a uh, big, big, big scene going on there. Thing. Then all of a sudden, out of the blue, across the street, something else happened. I couldn't figure out what the hell that one was. Something else broke out across the street. And uh, I see another squad car whip up to that, and there's a little action going on over there. Whatever it is, it looks like a, some kind of a fight or a holdup or a mugging or something's going on. And they, they, they got this guy up against the wall. They got a guy up against the wall, and, and a couple of people are down on the sidewalk. And, oh, boy, the place is blowing up. See, across the street, they got a thing going. Right below me, they got a thing going. And there's a crowd of people beginning to gather, of course. And, and, and uh, these this cars are slowing up. People are looking out at the cars, watching the thing. And about 10 more squad cars show up. And I can see cars stopping. They're pulling up against the... What's going on in there? I see cars pulling up against the, uh, the curb and uh, people getting out to watch it, see? Because uh, it looked like it looked like something really big was happening. Well, I'm, I'm just casually watching this whole thing. See, it's completely out of my hands. And obviously, there's 400 cops there. Now, I, I, then is when the really dramatic moment, don't worry about it, Jay. Then is when the really dramatic moment happened. Across the street, right in the middle of the block, I see that Dodge. 
the Dodge pulls up amid the crowd, and, and these two guys get out, and sure enough, he's joining the crowd now, standing there, you know, looking, looking to see what's going on. He's in, the, he's in the middle of the crowd. I can't believe my eyes. Here's the robber that I just saw back out. He's across the street now, and he's joined into this thing. Now, what do you do at this point? I mean, if you're a citizen, what do you do? Well, I did what I, what I had to do, see? I sneak over to the phone, and I pick up the phone, and I dial the police emergency number. You know, they give you that number to dial, and I get, I get this guy on the phone. It's a, hello, Sergeant, Sergeant Wasnowski talking. I said, uh, Sergeant, listen, there's a curious thing happened here. I said, they've just held up the bar down below my apartment, and I see these two guys now across the street that I saw. I saw them there, and uh, they... They're, they're across the street now in the crowd over there. They're standing over there. He's running. Yeah. What the? Give me, give me that description. So I give him the description of the two guys. And I said, they're standing over there right now. I said, I can see him. I'm looking out of the window. I said, they're standing right over there by the car. He st I said, they're not five feet from the squad car. There's a couple of police right by him. So all right, just a moment. And he switches off the line. And I don't hear anything. I just hear a hum on the end of the line. It was fascinating. I see across the street, you know, as you know, when you when you see any action like this, you can always hear police radios going. They're always going, and the cops are walking around. Well, I see one of the cops standing by the squad car, and the radio goes. And he just casually, obviously, listens to this thing. See, he just casually starts walking away from the squad car. He's been leaning up against the door. <laughs> And I'm watching this drama. And here are these two guys. One of the guys who I saw definitely walk out with that 38 is standing there rubbernecking. Now he's pretending like uh, he doesn't know what's going on. Well, as the cop walks over, and as he walks over, he says something to another cop, and the two of them spread out. I watched them just like watching a, uh, an episode of Dragnet or something. See? The two of them just spread out like that. And then all of a sudden, they just came together, one on each side of each one of these guys. Just zap like that. And the next thing I know, these guys are walking along, and they got their hands on the top of their heads. And these two cops are marching them over up against the wall. And sure enough, one of them goes down to the Dodge, and he comes out, and he's got that big 38. He pulled it out of the glove compartment or wherever these guys had got it stashed, and he's got this big bag. Well, now they see it across the street. See, across the street, these guys are still talking to the police. But it's the other cops that have caught the, the robbers. It's the other guys across the street. With that, the people down below, see, they see this going on over there. And you hear, hey, there they are. Hey, oh, there's the guy over there. And they start charging across the street, see, they, because they've been held up by these two clowns. They're standing there with their hands up in the air now. And uh, they go charging across the street. And at that, the police... Come, come moving back, and they hold the crowd back. The crowd is mad. Oh, 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 yeah, I got to hear the crowd. Oh, and the, the next thing I know, they got these two guys in the paddy wagon, and off they go. The lights are flashing. The people go back into the bar. The jukebox starts up again. <laughs> and the street returns to normal. Now, how do you like that for a little drama? Well, you want to hear another one? I mean, <laughs> New York adventures. <laughs> well, you know, New York, New York. I tell you, when you live in in in, uh, in, in a big apartment, 
uh, it, that is a complex. When you live in, in New York City or any major uh, urban area in the world, you, you have all kinds. These are pure urban uh, adventures. You have all kinds of those adventures. And they, they involve, like, one, like this friend of mine, I'll tell you another one. This friend of mine, who is a, quite a well-known guy, by the way, uh, this friend of mine had an apartment down in the village. He lived down there. Everything is fine. And uh, one night he comes back to his apartment, and it's been robbed. I mean, really, really hit. See, door busted down a whole bit. Well, he staggers around. He's bugged. And uh, he, he, he calls the police. Of course, they come, and they take the infir- information. And they, they tell him to get this lock and everything else, which he does. He goes out, and he gets a lock on his door. And he, and he slowly begins to accrue uh, some more stuff, which he needed, like a typewriter and a radio and a a TV set or something, you know, his little stuff that he had. And so he starts to accrue his stuff. And about one month later, he comes back after he has just gotten back on his feet from this ladder, from the first hit. He comes back to his apartment and the door is busted open. (laughs) Bam, he's hit again. (laughs) All right. Now, this is this is one month. Well, now he's really he's really uh, worried about this thing. See, so he, he. he goes out and he gets himself a really highly complex set of equipment, you know, the kind with bells go off and lightning bolts come out of the closets and all kinds of infrared jazz and everything else. See? And so he, he really is, he's ready for him this time, if it ever happens again. Well, this goes on about six weeks. All this happened within less than two months, roughly. The whole, the whole uh, event took place, his whole experience. So remember, he's been hit twice now, and I mean cleaned out twice. So one day he's coming home from from NYU or someplace where he was going, doing uh, some work there, and he he opens the front door. Now remember, he lives in a very nice brownstone. Say, he opens the front door and he sees people coming down the stairs at him. He lived on the second floor. Here's these people come and he looks up and he realizes it's three guys carrying his brand new television set the second one he's bought in a month see they've got all this stuff and they're just carrying it down well he stands at the bottom of the thing there looking up and they've got everything they've got his clothes they've got all his new stuff his new luggage one guy's got his new typewriter on his head and my friend is standing there with his mouth hanging open see he doesn't know what to say what do you do do you run what do you do they walk down right down the stairs at him and of course the first guy the lead guy sees my friend standing there with his mouth hanging open. So he very carefully takes the television set and he puts it down very carefully on the ground next to him. And very deliberately, he reaches inside of his coat. He was wearing a suit jacket. He reaches inside his coat, the inside pocket. He's looking for something, saying not a word. He doesn't say anything. He reaches down in the coat pocket and he pulls out this thing, which my friend said, first I couldn't see what it was. And he goes, snap, whap. And out comes this 11-inch, long, thin, gleaming stiletto blade. And he just holds it. He just moves his hand towards my friend like that, and he just touches him on the chest with it. Pointed right at his gizzard. Didn't say a word. These hard, cold eyes looking him right into his soul. And the other two guys didn't say a word. They just walked right on past with, their, with the loot. And the third one simply said this at the last moment with the knife touching my friend's tie right about the second shirt button. 
He said, you stand here for five minutes. If you don't stand here for five minutes, I'm coming back, and you're going to get this where to do the most good. You understand? My friend said, yes. So I thought you would. And he goes, whap! And the thing folds up, you know, the knife goes, snap! And sticks it back in his coat pocket picks up the TV set and goes out into the night. Bum. Ba-dum. Bum. <laughs> Exciting moments in the big city. I'll have to... Uh, how much time do I have, Jerry, roughly? All right. I don't know whether I should tell you this one or not. Uh, <laughs> uh, these, are, these are all little things that... You know, when you, when you, live, in a, when you live in a town like uh, New York, you, you, hear about, you hear about the violence all the time when you're living outside of town. Uh, but the, it, isn't, it isn't a thing that you see a lot. You don't see much of it, really. Uh, it happens around... You hear about it, you read about it, but you don't often see it. You really don't, which would surprise a lot of people who think that, you know, the minute you get to New York, you're going to see exploding grenades and, and low-strafing planes, uh, <laughs> you know, to keep the population from totally going out of its bird. Well, uh, once in a while, you really do see one. And uh, but quite often you don't really actually see it. You only you, you only hear the I suppose you might call it the uh, byproducts, the the overtones of it is what you actually see generally. Because uh, if you ever get close enough to anything to actually see the action, you're in it, <laughs> and then then it's really exciting. But uh, again, this same apartment one night, just a couple of years ago, a big case incidentally, uh, and a case which later was in all the papers. And uh, boy, what a, what a night that was! Again, it's in the middle of the summer. It seems to me that almost all of the stuff that I have been around in this town that involves action usually occurs in the summer. Now that doesn't say that there's no action in the winter. There obviously is, but uh, I think the city is more enclosed and it's a different kind and it takes a different form, and uh, your ability or your chance to observe it is less than in the summertime. But again, the same apartment, and again late at night. Uh, do you know? Do you know what is the is the time of night or the time of day where the most action actually occurs that involves fatalities? Any of you aware of this? Well, uh, this is an interesting statistic. Well, one night I'm in my apartment and uh, I'm, I'm doing my little thing there, and it's a quiet night. Uh, oh, you could see hear people out on the street just like every other night. You hear people, movement, cars, talk, but not more than normal. And it was about, I think it was on a Friday night near the end of the week. It might have been a Thursday, but it was a summertime. And in this part of the town, it doesn't really make a, a great deal of difference whether it's uh, the end of the week or the middle of the week. There's always action. There's always stuff going on. There's tourists in town, one thing, another. And so, here again, it's about 4 o'clock in the morning, maybe 3, roughly 3, I would say. And uh, I'm, I'm uh, minding my own business. I'm, I'm reading or something. 
very quiet. The window is open. The breeze is blowing all the soot in from Jersey, and I'm sitting there thinking, when, when uh, out of the absolutely out of the blue, with no warning, I hear this sound. Now, anybody who's ever been in the army, whoever who has ever been around any any high explosives, knows this sound. And it's a it's a it's a sound you just cannot. There's no other way. To, to fake it. It just a sound of boom, like that it goes. And it was the sound of exploding gunpowder. In other words, somebody had just shot. And it was unmistakably that sound, just boom. Well, instantly it hit me. This was not a sound of a rifle. Now, a rifle sound is a different sound, for those of you who are curious about the various sounds of gunfire. A rifle sound has, has more of a crack to it. Pow! A, a rifle will go pow, 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 whereas a pistol has a sound more of an exploding uh, pop. A pistol will go, but this one, pow, and it had an overtone. I said, "My God, a shotgun!" And I, I yeah, I, I reached up without thinking, uh, just by reflex, I flipped the light off because you never know. See, I flipped the light off in the apartment. And I rushed to the window very carefully. By the way, I might warn any of you, if you're ever around anything like this, uh, if anything ever happens in your immediate vicinity, don't immediately go and rubberneck out of the window. No, because more than one person, in fact, many people, have been hit by ricocheting uh, ammunition that bounces around. And that's where it generally winds up, bouncing around from building to building. So... Very carefully, I go and I look out, you know, shielding myself behind the edge of the building, and oh, what a scene. Down below me, across the street, where, where, the, where the intersection comes into another street, I see a car. I didn't know what, you know, what the events were, but I see a car pulled up sort of catty corner to the curb with the motor still running and the lights on. And lying almost directly in front of the car in the gleam of the headlights is this figure. And there was blood, I would say, over a quite possibly a 30 or 40 foot circle. Fantastic. Just tremendous pool of blood in that light. And I saw two or three people starting to, you know, gather around. In fact, there were more people sort of gathering around. They were, they were, they were, they were descending like locusts on this scene, just moving in. And I saw these two figures running down the street away from me, just running, just running, and, and uh, nobody's saying anything. They're just watching, and these, these two figures running away in the, away from the scene. Obviously, they were involved, and this body's lying down there. Well, it was obvious from the, right from the word go that somebody had just been murdered. That was not a flesh wound. And I just, just that instant, I knew and it was a shotgun. Fascinating. A shotgun. Now, that's a special kind of a killing. A shotgun. And I saw that blood pouring out, and it seemed like almost instantaneously, while the, while the, while the sound of that ricocheting, or the sound of the sound, the boom, ricocheting from the buildings, it seemed like it was still hanging there. It was just a boom, and you could just feel it, and almost simultaneously with it, I saw two squad cars come around the corner screaming with their, with their lights going. 
and their their sirens going, and they come up against the traffic, and they go pouring through this crowd, this traffic, and they squeal up to a stop, and they jump out. And then, what happened? I couldn't believe. Here, these police pour out of this thing, and they're they, they they're moving over to this body, which was lying flat on the sidewalk, just completely flat out, with the blood pouring all down the curb and running down the streets. The crowd began to holler. I could hear crowd, ah, ah! I could hear, I could hear sounds yelling, and I could hear these people hollering, pig, pig, fascist pig. These people are yelling at the police, fascist pig, 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 pig. I'm watching a scene beginning to develop. They're yelling, fascist pig, and here is a body lying in the middle of the street, with blood pouring down towards the, towards the sewer, just laying there. And those two figures that had run down the street away from it had disappeared. They're gone. And I watched it, and an ambulance came around, and slowly they picked this body up, and it was just a fantastic wound. And they picked up the body, and they put it on the stretcher, and all the while the car is sitting there with the motor running. His car, apparently. And a couple of the police went in, and they're looking in through the glove compartment. I could see them. By this time, more squad cars have arrived, and they're taking pictures of the scene, flashbulbs. And a crowd is standing around, about a big crowd of, uh, of hippie types hollering, fascist, pig, pig, pig. Somehow, I guess they felt that the police shouldn't have even come investigated, apparently. I don't know what, what, what the curious reasoning was behind this. But they didn't do anything. They didn't say a word. The police just quietly took pictures and they were measuring things. And uh, a couple of squad cars went off down in the direction of where these guys had run. And I'm watching this whole scene unfold before me. And just about that time, uh, there was a radio in my room that was going. And it was one of these all-night news stations. Just about that time, on came that news flash. And I'm, I'm watching the scene, and the, the uh, reporter is talking about it. On the air, he's saying that uh, it was reported that a shooting occurred in such and such a street and that uh, the victim has not yet been identified. However, it appears that he was shot with a shotgun. And police are now investigating, and I'm watching it. It's like getting a double vision. You're seeing the thing and at the same time hearing the reports of it. And this blood was just slowly oozing down. And one of the one of the men got out of a, out of a police car, apparently, one of the... Uh, police service cars had arrived and he began to sprinkle stuff on the blood some kind of stuff they were using to sprinkle it all over the blood and two or three guys by this time there must have been 30 or 40 police there and then I heard this news report and the people began to drift out the body was removed it was all over and within an hour no sign of what had happened people strolling up and down the street there cars driving past not a single element to say that this fantastic thing happened there. And the next day, I was rushed out to get the paper, and sure enough, it's on all the all the papers about how this guy, about how this guy had uh, seen a couple of people robbing a guy. He just saw these two people robbing somebody at the corner, and he stopped and got out and walked towards him. He wanted to help the guy. When one of them whipped out of his coat, apparently, or under his coat. A sawed-off shotgun, and without a word, blasted him into oblivion. Boom! End of story. 
And it was a quiet night. A quiet night, the big town. recipient of the Mark Twain Award for 1976.